Uh, okay, so as you see on the screen, uh, we're starting a new series tonight. It's called Disciplines, How to Train Ourselves Up in Godliness. So this is based off 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9, where it talks about how, hey, physical training has some benefits to it in some ways, but training ourselves up in godliness is beneficial in every way, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And so, okay, if we're to train ourselves up in godliness, what are we to do to train ourselves up in godliness? And so we want to know what can we do to help train ourselves? What can we do to help grow in our faith? But on top of that is just kind of as we slowly come back to normal some after 2020 is that uh, COVID threw a lot of our routines and rhythms and daily everything off, didn't they? So as we come back into these things, we go, okay, how do we get back to the normal flow of things? Or how do I read my Bible? Or how do I pray? Or what do I do in these areas? And so that's what we want to do as well. So we want to understand these. And so tonight's discipline we're going to talk about is Bible intake. So reading God's word. And we start here first because everything else flows from this one that we have to get this one right if we want to get all the others and obey all the others. That scripture is so vitally important for just our spiritual health and growth. And so here's how I kind of want to start it. I want you to, to envision this. Imagine, let's say, um, imagine I told you, hey, I want to be healthy. I want to I wanna lose weight. I want to get in better shape. And so, uh, but I only go to the gym maybe twice a year, or if I really feel like it, twice a week. Um, and I'll, I really will eat whatever I want the rest of the week. I'll just kind of eat junk food and do what I want. I'll maybe have an apple once in a while. How healthy do you think I'm going to be? You can talk. It's okay. Not, huh? healthy. not healthy at all. Why? Because I mean, junk food, I'm, I'm not putting things in place. Or on top of that, I, even, even with the apple, I really don't feel like, you know, like chewing the apple up and everything else. That's a lot of work. So I'm actually just going to have applesauce instead because it's basically mashed up for me. And all I got to do is just, just spoon feed it to myself. I mean, it's, it's mashed up for me, though. It makes it so much easier. You're probably not going to do that well, aren't you? Why? Because there's not enough discipline in place to help grow you in that way. That, that there's not enough consistency in that to help grow you in your faith. That they're not continually dieting and exercising. That's what's going to help someone become healthy. It can't just be a once in a blue moon or once we feel like it or when things are comfortable or when, when, we, when we want to. It has to be an everyday thing. And that's the same thing with reading our Bibles. That we have to have a constant diet of reading our Bibles. That we have to have a consistent time being spent in His Word, studying it to help us grow in our faith. So just like in the analogy where someone might go to the gym twice a week, that might be good, but, but it would help to go more. It's great, though, if we go to church two times a week, but, but are we studying God's Word more throughout the week? Or a lot of times we think, you know, with the apple, it's like, okay, the apple, I don't want to pick it up and chew it and everything else. I'd rather have applesauce. Well, in that sense, applesauce could be the same as, let's say, if someone preaches or teaches, or if, let's say, you go just watch a video about it, like, yeah, I, you know, I could pick up my Bible and try to chew on the truths of this for myself and study it, but I'll just go somewhere else. I'll go watch a video. I'll just watch a TikTok. Give me 60 seconds. Tell me what I need to know, and I'll just, just spoon feed me what I want to know. But what God's Word says, we need to study it for ourselves as well is that, yes, it's great being under the regular preaching and teaching of God's Word. That is so healthy. But it's also even more healthy for us to regularly study His Word together. And so, before we get started, there, there is, there's two main reasons, I think, people don't read their Bibles. These are on your notes, and you're following along. Two main reasons, I would say, people don't read their Bible. The first one 
is laziness. Now, what I mean by laziness is I don't just mean, well, there's not that desire. There might be that desire there. There might be the desire of, okay, I know that I need to read God's word. I want to read God's word. I want to study it. I want to grow more in my faith. But you might think on top of that, man, I already go to school every single day and I'm involved in sports and involved in a job and I just have so much going on that I'm just so exhausted that, that to read my Bible just seems like another thing to add on to my plate and it's a lot more energy to put forth and study. And so I just, I might just relax some. I might just ease up some and I'll just watch TV instead or just, just unwind. So laziness would be the first one. Second one I would say is ignorance. Ignorance would be the second main reason why people don't read their Bibles. And what I want to mean by that is I don't mean that, that, that you're stupid or, that you, that, or anything like that. It might just mean we're just ignorant where we just don't know. Like we might think, I, I, don't know, I, just, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. And even if I do begin, what do I even do when I read my Bible? We're just ignorant to that. We just don't know. And so what we want to look at tonight is why we study our Bibles. We also want to look at why we study our Bibles, but also how. How do we study our Bibles if we open up our God's Word and study it? Before we begin, I just want to show just, just some crazy stats that I read about um, when it comes to people reading God's Word. So just listen to some of these. USA Today reported a poll that showed only 11% of Americans read the Bible every day, and that more than half read it less than once a month or never at all. Here's another stat. Only 18%, only 18% less than two of every 10 professing Christians read the Bible every day. Or worst of all, 23%, so almost one in four professing Christians say they never read the Word of God. Now, one, people, one like excuse or one reason people might say is, well, I, really, I just don't have the time. I don't have enough time in my schedule to read God's Word. Well, I looked up even more crazier stats about just time and how much time it would take to read God's Word. So it says you could read the entire Bible in 71 hours. And that's less, that's less time that is spent on average by Americans in front of the TV each month. So if, you could, if we could read our Bibles in less than a month, if let's say we traded in our time watching TV or Netflix or anything else for reading God's Word, or if you read the Bible for 15 minutes a day, you could read through the entire Bible in less than a year. 15 minutes a day. Or maybe even that. Maybe your schedule is just so tight that maybe you can't even do 15 minutes. Okay, how about five minutes? If you read the Bible for five minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in less than three years. So, so it's important that, that we need to carve out time for this. That we need to make time to read our Bibles. And so, like I said, tonight, we don't want to just look at the why. I could tell you all day long of, here's why we need to study God's Word. Here's all the important things of it. And that might be great, but you still might say, okay, but what do I do? So we want to look at also how we can do that. So we're going to look at the scriptural basis for why we study Scripture, but also practically how to study the Bible. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump right in. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for tonight. I just pray, um, just as we look through your Word, Holy Spirit, as only you can, would you just... Uh, create just a desire in our hearts that we want to know your word and we want to read your word and that it's only by you can help us understand it and apply it to our lives so as we look through this tonight would you help us not only understand the reasoning why it's so important would you help us understand how we can do that so that we can start even tonight if we've never have we can start tonight by reading our bibles 
Just this beautiful feast of truth that you've given us. Would you help us just feast upon it tonight and chew on it and just meditate on it so it can help us grow even more into the followers of Christ you've called us to be. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first, why, why do we study Scripture? Why do we study this at all? First truth, because God's Word is divinely inspired. God's Word is divinely inspired. So the first passage we're going to look at, so we're going to jump around a bunch, so get, get ready. The first one is in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. where we see just clearly in Scripture where God has said that He has inspired His Word. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. So breathed out means inspired. That's been inspired by God Himself. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. So it teaches us more about God for proof. It helps us correct things. It helps us point out ways that we're not living for God for correction, so it helps correct us. So not only does it point out ways that we're fallen, but how do we correct that? And for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we see in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that every bit of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God, that helps us grow more in Christ-likeness. Second one you see on your notes is Ephesians, or Hebrews 4.12, where it says that the Word of God is living and active, and it is sharper than any double-edged sword, separating bone from marrow. So it's able to convict us of ways that, we are, that we're fallen, ways that we have maybe rebelled against God, maybe ways that we're not following God. But it says it's living and active, that it's living and active today. So an example of this might be, you might read your Bible one day, the same passage one day, and think nothing of it. But the next day, you might be going through some sort of trial, or you might be going through some sort of difficulty, or you have some sort of question, and you read that same verse, and all of a sudden, it sticks out to you a lot more that time. Like, oh, this is actually exactly what I needed, because God's Word is living and active. Or John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you see, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that it is divinely inspired. Or Matthew 24, 35, where it says that his word will never pass away. That his word is eternal. So we see that God's word is forever. It, it always lasts. It, it'll, it'll last forever. Or then Isaiah 40, verse 8, where it says the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of the Lord stands forever. And then lastly, in Isaiah 55, verse 11. Where we, see, where we see God says, hey, it will, it will live out every, every purpose it has. It will fulfill it. So in Isaiah 55, verse 11, we see this truth as well. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God's word will not return void. Meaning if we live out God's word, if we apply God's word to our life, it says it'll never return void. That it'll always fulfill its purposes and promises. So we see that it is divinely inspired in that sense. Just think about this for a second. Just, just try to wrap your brain around this. God, the creator of everything, the creator of everything we know around us, he wrote a book. The, the one that created everything about it knows all the intricate details about nature, about science, about us as human beings, every down to the last detail. He wrote a book. 
that, that's an incredible thing to think about. But if I'll be honest, you know how many times I'm tempted each day, even though I know God wrote a book, I'd be like, well, I'll just, I'll just leave it in my backpack or leave it on my shelf and think, well, I'll get around to it another day. I'm kind of I'm caught up today. Or, just, or we really don't think about it that much. God inspired a book. And if we want to know more about God, then we must read the book that he authored. If we want to know more about Christ, if we want to make Christ's name known, it said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if we want to know more about Christ, we have to read the word that was made flesh, the word itself. We have to study it. We cannot know God if we don't read the book that he inspired and authored. So God's word is divinely inspired. Second one is God's word brings salvation. God's word brings salvation. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That God's word brings salvation. That it could lead someone to being saved. Or in John 8, 31 through 32. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if we study God's word, it says the truth will set us free. The truth is God's word. That if we study God's word and understand it, it will set us free. We study his word. Or in James 1 verse 21, it says this, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So this implanted word, this word of God, is able to save our souls. It's able to put all filthiness and wickedness that we have within us away, and also humbles us so we can receive this word with meekness. That is the power of God's word that brings salvation. And then in 1 Peter 1, 23, we see this. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. That we are born again through the word of God, through God's word. And it says by imperishable seed. What imperishable means? It means forever. That it endures forever. So God's word is forever as we saw in Isaiah and Matthew. And that it's what saves our souls. So God's word brings salvation. But next, let's say we've been saved and we're now a follower of Christ. God's word brings sanctification. It brings sanctification. So what sanctification is, it's, it's a big fancy, if you will, theological term. It just means it makes us more like Christ. Sanctification means we're becoming more like Christ. We're growing in our faith. We're growing more in our relationship with Christ. So salvation is when we get saved, and now sanctification is now that we're in a relationship with Christ, we're trying to grow more in our knowledge of Christ and become more like Him now that we're following Him. So the first one we'll look at is Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, where we'll see how God's Word brings sanctification and helps us grow more in our Christ-likeness. So we see this truth. How can a young man or young woman keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And in verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. 
that I might not sin against God. So if we want to keep our ways pure, if we want to become more like Christ, we have to store up God's word in our hearts. We have to study it. And we have to meditate on and think about it and all the deep things, all the deep truths about it. So that way we can not sin against God and become more like Christ. Or in John 17, 17. So to give context, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. So Jesus is getting close to being going and dying on the cross, and he's praying this priestly prayer, not just for the apostles at that time and the believers at that time, but for all the believers that would believe him at any point in history. So this same prayer we read then is the same prayer he prays for us today. And so what it says in John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is praying for believers, even us today, is that God sanctifies us by his truth. And he says, what is his truth? That your word is truth. That God's word is truth, and so it said it sanctifies us. It helps us become more like Christ. Or in Psalm 119, verse 105, we see this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word guides us along every single day. It guides us in the day-to-day things that we wrestle with, the day-to-day things that we go through. It guides us in those ways. It is a light to our path to help us. And then in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, uh, we see this truth as well. Where it, says, where it says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So just like a baby craves for milk, is that if we are a follower of Christ, we're to crave God's word to help us grow up in our salvation, to grow in our faith. That if we want to grow more in our faith, we have to study God's word because God's word brings sanctification. So next is, okay, then what must we do to study scripture? What do we have to do to study scripture? First one is we must memorize God's word. We must memorize God's word. So in Deuteronomy 11 verse 18 uh, the context of this is that God is giving just the Israelites just ways there to serve the Lord. And then we get to this, where we're to love and serve the Lord. Then he gets to this in Deuteronomy 11, verse 18, where it says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes. So what it's saying is that you shall bind them on your wrist, just like I have this wrist that has John 3.16 on it to help remind me of that. That is one way that we're to bind it on our wrist or to put it in front of our eyes or to put it in front of our eyes constantly so we know what to study. So that way if it's constantly before us, it's constantly in our minds. So whatever we constantly put in front of our face, whatever we're constantly watching or listening to, then that'll be something that we remember. So here's just, here's just a way. Uh, here's a way that you might not even realize. I want us to go through just different phrases of different companies. And I want, you, I want you to actually respond back of which ones that you know, okay? So we're going to see how well people do, okay? Like a good neighbor. State Farm, there. State Farm is there. So you even did the jingle with it, too. How about this? Red Robin. Okay. All right. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. There you go. Okay? Taste the rainbow. Skittles. Exactly. All right. Blank gives you wings. Or how about this? Have it your way. Burger King. Can you hear me now? Good. What's that from? 
It's from Verizon. Wow, okay. Maybe that's dating some. Maybe that's an older commercial. I at least remember that. All right. Every kiss begins with? It's finger licking good. Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> now, now notice something. You got a big majority of those. Why? Because you are constantly seeing advertisements for it. You're constantly hearing those jingles. You're constantly seeing it, whether it's a YouTube ad, whether it's a commercial on TV, and you've seen it so much, it's been in front of your face and put in your ears so many times that someone, all they got to do is say the jingle or just say part of the phrase and you can finish the rest of it. Why? Because it was constantly in front of your face. And so just in the same way, we need to put God's word constantly in front of our faces so we just know it by heart. We've got to memorize it. So that way when, when things come about and trouble comes, we have it hidden in our hearts so where we can bring that back. A beautiful example of this is in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, where Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's when Satan goes and tempts him. And Satan tempts him three times. And you know what? You know how Jesus responds every single time? Well, the word of God says, and he fill in the blank, that he responded every single time to Satan's temptations with the word of God. That he pushed back on that because God's word is divinely inspired and carries spiritual power to it. That he was able to use in response to Satan. So here's what I want to see. Here are some benefits of memorizing scripture that you have in your notes you can follow along. First one is scripture supplies spiritual power. Scripture supplies spiritual power. So in Ephesians 6, 17, in Ephesians chapter 6, this goes through what is called just the armor of God, putting on the full armor of God. So it's going through just the different parts of what we need to wear. But then in Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, no, a sword is not a defensive thing. A sword is an offensive weapon. And so just as Jesus used the word of God to push back against Satan, we must use God's word to push back against just spiritual warfare, against sin, that we need God's word. There's, we cannot fight sin by natural means. We cannot fight sin by our own willpower. That we need God's word to push back against that. So scripture supplies spiritual power. Next, scripture strengthens our faith. Scripture strengthens our faith. So again, we see that in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Like I said, that's when Jesus was tempted by Satan and he had God's word hidden in his heart and that was able to strengthen his faith to stand firm in times where he faced temptations, times where he faced difficulties. He was able to stand firm. Why? Because he memorized God's word and it strengthened his faith. So God's word or scripture strengthens our faith. And lastly, the last benefit of memorizing scripture is that scripture prepares us for witnessing and counseling. So it prepares us for witnessing and counseling. So this is what it says in Luke 12, verse 12. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. It says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Then he talks about, hey, there's, there's going to be times we're placed in front of the authorities. And here's what it says in Luke 12, 12. Um, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, 
Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So scripture prepares us for witnessing and counseling. That's not, that might sound a little overbearing, like, oh, I, I don't know how to witness, or what do you mean by counseling? Counseling could just simply mean giving an encouraging word. Where you know someone's going through a difficult time, and you can give them an encouraging word in that moment. Why? Because you memorize scripture. And you're able to tell them that in the moment to help them. Or witnessing. If someone's like, what do you believe about Jesus? Or, or what am I supposed to believe about Jesus? Well, like, what is a passage of Scripture to help me? And if we study God's Word, it can help us in that moment of, well, actually, this is what Scripture says. Actually, uh, uh, an example in my own life in the witnessing part is uh, last week I actually was able to talk with a couple Mormon missionaries. And it was really interesting. So I was like, okay, what do you believe? Like, what do you believe about creation? What do you believe about just sin? What do you believe about any of these things? Like, well, we, we, we believe such and such. And it was only by the Holy Spirit, nothing in and of myself. But the Holy, but, but the Holy Spirit in those moments were like, what about this passage? You say you believe this, but, but Scripture does not reconcile with this. So how do you point that in that moment? That the Holy Spirit was able to give me the words to say in moments where I might be like, how do I respond? What do I say to some of them? Or if I need an encouraging word that maybe someone's going through a difficult time, we could say, hey, hey, that God is the God of all comfort and will comfort you in all of your affliction. That we can have that come to our hearts to share to others. And in turn, that will strengthen our faith and strengthen that person's faith as we witness and counsel to them. So those are just three benefits. Those are just three benefits about um about memorizing god's word and so i might say memorize god's word and you might think okay memorizing that that is a lot like i i don't know if i can memorize these things or hold on to these things so i just want to do by show of hands i want to ask you a few questions about maybe things that you might have memorized okay you don't have to answer out loud but just by show of hands how many of you have memorized your own cell phone number if you do have one okay for those of you who don't have a cell phone how many have memorized your home phone number if you have a home phone number how many know you memorized your birthday? You know exactly when your birthday is, or birthday month. Some people love to do the birthday month or birthday week. How about your best friend's birthday? Who knows their best friend's birthday? What about a family member's birthday? It doesn't matter which one, just a family member's birthday. What about your home address? Who knows their home address? Okay. What about their school schedule? Who's already memorized their school schedule after like a week? Okay, so let's think about this, okay? Think about this for a second. If we're able to memorize our cell phone or different numbers, our home address, our school schedules, birthdays, even our best friend's birthday, if we're able to memorize those, then we're able to memorize God's word. Then we definitely have the mental capacity to do that. We are more than able to do that. So we memorize, we must memorize God's word. Next, we must meditate on God's word. We must meditate on God's word. So meditate, a lot of times people think meditate and they think, oh, it's probably some like Eastern religious thing where I, where I sit in a circle and I put my fingers like this and I just go, um, a bunch. That, that's not what we're meaning here, we say meditate. What we mean by meditating on God's word, here's a definition to help us with this. It's to think deeply on truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture. Or just think deeply about life from a scriptural perspective for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. So it's just thinking deeply about, let's say, truths that we read in God's Word. 
So here would be an example of us meditating on God's word. John 3.16. For God what? So loved the world. We could just meditate on that. Think about this. God so loved the world. That God loves the world. God so loves the world. What does that mean? He loves the world full of fallen, sinful human beings, full of messed up people, and yet God so loves the world that what? He gave his one and only son. So he gives one only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We can think deeply about that, thinking, wow, the world, all the people that are just messed up or just that neighbor I really can't stand or that classmate I can't deal with, yet God so loved us that he sent Jesus to die for that person just as much as me. That his sacrifice covers their sins just as much as mine. And that if we believe in him, we won't perish we'll have everlasting life that we can think deeply upon that just all day long and we can meditate on it and think about it and that'll affect just the way we view things around us that's one way we can meditate on god's word so let's look at just some passages that that help support this of meditating on god's word so a lot of these are going to be in psalms in psalm so the first one is psalm 1 verse 2 Psalm 1 verse 2, and then we're going to go to Psalm 119 after that. We're going to hang out a lot more in Psalm 119 for that one. So first, in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 2, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So the reason the person is not standing in the way of sinners and is not standing in the council, basically not participating in anything that is sinful, not in the gossip, not in just the, the hurting people, not anything sinful. Why? Because he meditates on God's word day and night. He thinks deeply about that and the effects of that. So let's turn over in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, first one is verses 15 and 16, where it says this, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. So we must fix our eyes on God's word. We must constantly have it before us and think about it and meditate on it. Or Psalm 119, verses 41 through 48. Just listen to this. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. So they're able to answer the person. Answer the person that taunts him because they trust in his word and meditates on his word. Verse 43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. But their hope is in the word of God. 44, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. So they're studying God's word, and they have it ever before them. They're able to walk in a wide place, meaning they're walking in a safe place because they're walking in the will of God. Why? Because they're meditating on God's word. I will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. For I delight, for my delight is in your commandments, which I love. And I will lift up my hands towards your commands, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Should we give the testimony of his word before kings or any sort of authorities or anyone else? Why? Because they meditate on God's word and we love it. And they're able to just bring it forth. It just overflows out of their heart to tell them. And then Psalm 119, verse 97 through 100. Where it says this oh how i love your law it is my meditation all the day long your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me 
I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. So because the psalmist studied God's word and loved God's word and meditated on it and thought deeply about it, it says that they're able to, that they're wiser than their enemies. It says they have more understanding than all their teachers. They have more understanding than the aged, for they keep their precepts. Or in Joshua 1, 8, uh, God is commissioning Joshua. And he says, hey, study these things. Meditate on these precepts. Meditate on my law day and night so that you would be careful to do everything according to God's will that is written in it. And said all your ways that you will prosper. That he's commissioning Joshua in this. Or Philippians 4, 8, it says, hey, whatever is honorable and just and praiseworthy and morally excellent, think about these things. Focus on these things. And we find all of those characteristics in God's word. That we meditate on God's word. We are meditating on something that is honorable and just and trustworthy and morally excellent. So we must meditate on God's word and think deeply about it. But it's not just enough to memorize it. So we actually have it memorized in our hearts so we can recite it back to someone. It's not just enough to meditate on it, to think deeply about the truths of it. Lastly, we must apply God's word. We must apply God's word. That we could study it all day long, we can know all the verses, know all of that, but if we don't apply it to our own lives, then it doesn't matter in the end. In fact, a beautiful, just a perfect uh, verse, passage of scripture to help speak to this is in James 1, verse 22 through 23, where it says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we can't just be a hearer of God's word. We can't just be a thinker of God's word. We have to be a doer of God's word. We can't just think about all these things and recite all these, and that's great. But are we applying them to our very lives? For he says, Scripture is like a mirror, where we look at our mirror. I know sometimes y'all wake up in the morning early, and you look in the mirror and go, oh, I look rough. I look rough this morning. I, I, need, to, I need to do some work here and there. I need to shower. I need to work on these things. But imagine if you looked yourself in the mirror, and you see you know, the crusty eyes and just all types of messed up. You go, eh, I'm fine. How well do you think it's going to go? Not too well. On an even greater scale, when we look at God's word, it's pointing out to us. Look at a mirror, pointing out, here are ways that we are fallen. Here are ways that we're not truly obeying God. Here are ways that we can become more like Christ. And we'll read and go, I'm good. I'm fine. I can make it on my own. I, I've thought about it, memorized it. I've meditated on it. But we have to apply it to our lives. We must apply it to our lives. In Philippians 4, 9. Paul gives us instruction. So Philippians 4, 8 talks about whatever is just and honorable and, and trustworthy and praiseworthy and morally excellent. Think about these things. And then he follows it up in the next verse in Philippians 4, 9, where he says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying, he's, so he's writing to the church and saying, hey, all these things that you've learned from me, all these things that you've heard from me, all these things that you've seen in my life, the way I've taught you God's word, the way I've seen God's word lived out in my life, don't just think about these things, practice these things, put them into practice. And it says the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise. 
That if we study God's word and memorize it and meditate on it and apply it, it says the God of peace will be with us. So that's a promise. And then in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, we see this. Uh, that's first Peter. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So saying God by his divine power has granted us everything we need to grow in godliness. Everything we need to grow in godliness. So we're not left on our own. And two of the greatest things we need is the Holy Spirit and his word that he authored. The Holy Spirit helps us grasp these things and understand these things and apply these things. And then lastly, we see in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, Paul says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. But here's the way. The only way that person will be able to follow Christ and we can imitate Christ is if we know more about Christ. And as I said, the only way we can know more about Christ is if we study his word and we see more about him, the word made flesh. So we must apply God's word. So look at these, why must we do this? How must we do this? So how do we study God's word? How do we do this? So first one, here's just some methods, different methods. You might use one of these or all of these. These are just different methods to help you to memorize scripture. One might be you just write out the verses. That for you, it might just help that you handwrite things out. So you're able to write it out and that's how you're able to memorize it and help put it to memory. Some of you, you might be more of just a visual person. Maybe it just helps to draw picture reminders. That if, let's say, you draw a particular image or a particular uh, sketch, whatever you want, that when you look at that sort of image, that helps remind you of a particular verse. Or some of you, you just like to memorize the verses word perfectly. So you just pick whatever translation you want, you just memorize it word for word. That way, if someone asks, you can recite it right back, no problem. Another way is find a method of accountability. It might help if you have someone else in your life to help you memorize it. You have a best friend, someone here at church to help you stay accountable of memorizing God's word. They may be trying to memorize God's word together. You set a schedule of when to study these things by or when to understand these things by. Find a method of accountability. It just helps when we know someone else is with us. Someone else is memorizing scripture too with us. Here's some methods to meditate on Scripture. So how can we think deeply about the truths of Scripture? First one, just emphasize emphasize different words in the text. So for example, in John 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So go through and just emphasize each one. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life, so on and so forth, that we just emphasize each one, that maybe as we think about that, what is a truth that we pull out of that as we think about those things? Maybe you rewrite the text in your own words. So as you're reading this, you're trying to understand it, maybe you rewrite it in your own words to help you think more about it, to help you study it more, to think more about it. Another one, look for applications of the text. So maybe we're looking at a text and we think, okay, what are some ways I can apply this to my life now? So going back to, let's say, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. An application we can maybe pull out of that, if, okay, if God so loved the world that he was willing to send his Son to die, then I must be willing to love that person too, just as God loves the world. So if God loves sinners that much, 
then God, would you help me love people like you love the world? That could be one application. Ask how the text points to something about Jesus. So that is the overarching thing. All of Scripture points to Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, all of it points to him and make much of him. So it helps us understand that. And so we can ask, how does this point to something about Jesus? Next, pray through the text. Maybe you're just trying to work through it, and you just want to pray through it. Pray through different parts. Or as you read it, maybe one of those words sparks an image of something or makes you think about someone. Just pray through the text to help you understand it. Think about this. You're praying God's inspired word back to God to help you understand it. Next one, memorize the text, because it helps you if you memorize it, then maybe when you're off doing other things, you've hidden your heart, and you're able to think about it later. Then once you memorize it, you can think deeply about it as you're traveling about your day. Next one, set and discover a minimum number of insights from the text. So maybe you'll say, okay, I am not going to get up from this spot until I've discovered, let's say, 10 insights from this passage of Scripture. So let's say if you're going to, let's say, John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world. Okay, God loves the world. There's one insight. That he gave us one only son. Okay, God only has one son. There's another insight. That whoever believes in him, okay, you have to believe in Christ in order to be saved. Okay, there's a third insight. And so you keep going until you reach 10 insights. That could be one thing to just help you think more deeply about his word. Or find a link or common thread between all the paragraphs or chapters you read. So maybe you read a chapter, and within that chapter it has three paragraphs. As you read through those three paragraphs, is there, a, is there a word that keeps getting repeated? Is there a theme that keeps getting brought up? You see in all three of them that ties it all together. That could be one way to help you really think through it. How does all this tie together? So here's just some ways to help you meditate on God's word. Okay, where do we start then? Where do we start when it comes to studying God's word? And here is just seven things I would give you. Here's just a very basic, bare bones. How do I even start reading God's word? If I want to start tonight, how do I do that? First, Pick a designated time each day. It's easy for us to say, well, I'll get to that later. And then later comes. And then later comes. And we push it off to tomorrow. Well, I'll get to it tomorrow. And we get to it tomorrow. And it's tomorrow. And then, well, later, I'll, I'll do it later. And so on and so forth. And we just never do it. So pick a time each day. A time that you know that you'll be free some. Whether it's in the morning, at night. The same time every single day so you know when to start it. Next, pick a designated place each day where you'll read your Bible. So maybe you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start in the morning at 8 a.m. and I'm going to read it in my bedroom. Or I'm going to read it at, let's say, the dinner table. Every single day at that time at that same place. Next, pick a Bible reading plan. Because some of us might be like, where do I even start? And I know I need structure. I need a starting point and ending point. And so a reading plan helps us say, hey, today you are going to read in, let's say, the book of Matthew from this, this. So for example, for mine, I'm in Romans. So okay, you're going to read from Romans 12, 9 through 21. That's what you're going to read today. Okay, there's a starting point. Next, pick an accountability partner. Pick someone else maybe that, that, that you can go through the same Bible reading plan together. How many of you were here for vision night last week? How about this? Okay, when we talk about the different reading plans, raise your hand if you pick the Psalms and Proverbs one. That's one you said you're going to try to go through. Look around. You could find people that pick that one too, and you can hold each other accountable going through that. How about who picked, uh, who picked the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anybody pick those? Just look around. You could say, okay, that person's going through it too. I want to have them be my accountability partner or accountability group. Who picked uh, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians? Anybody pick that one? Okay, no problem. So that way you can pick an accountability partner. So that way if you know someone else is reading it with you, that helps you a lot also. 
A next one would be journal your thoughts and observations. So maybe as you're going through it, whether it's on an app on your phone, so you version, you can go on the Bible app and you can highlight different things and take notes on certain verses. Maybe that just helps you more if you just want an app. Or um, if you're just more old school and you like journaling things, you just like writing things out, you just write your observations. What are you seeing in the text to help you apply to this? So you journal that. Next, draw out applications from those observations. So from those things that you wrote down, whether it's taking notes on a phone or whether it's writing out in a journal, what are applications from that? Okay, these are observations. Now how can I apply this and live this out even today? And then lastly, just pray through the scripture to God. Pray through the scripture to God. And so what you have on what you have on yours, uh, on your on your notes is something to help you even more is even more ways to apply it is you have different application questions that you have on there you have different ways to think through and so that is just to help you in different ways to maybe read your word and on top of that on the bottom um, underneath your notes you have what's called the soap method i know some people in, in here use the soap method and so what that means it stands for scripture observation application and prayer so scripture, as you're reading this passage, maybe just write out one verse that was meaningful to you in whatever the plan was you're reading. Oh, observation. So what was interesting in the passage? What did you learn? Who was the audience? Who wrote this? What is what are some truths that you see out of this? What is God trying to say through this passage? Next, application. So after you observe things, okay, how can I apply this to my life now, even today? How will, how will you let this change you? And lastly, prayer. Respond to this to God in prayer. Use the scripture as a guide. And so ask God to help you meditate on it. Ask God to help you supply the power in your life to be able to live this out. And this is just one way to help you go through just this method of being able to study your word, study God's word. And then um, lastly as well, if you want, actually on that back table, I have a stack of just journals. So if you're the one that likes to just journal, you like to just handwrite things out instead, um, I have those on the back table. Those are for y'all. Um, and you can grab a pen too if you want. That is for y'all to be able to just track some of these and, and write out some of these. And I would love to hear just some observations you have, whether it be through Psalms and Proverbs or the Gospels or anything else. So these are just different ways. These are just different ways that we can study God's Word and just have a starting point of where to go from there. And as we study God's Word, we'll be able to grow more in our likeness, of Christ, in Christ's likeness. Become more like Him, become more of the followers He's called us to be. Because we need to study God's Word. It is so important that if we want to be healthy Christians, we must have a regular diet of studying God's Word. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Um, Lord, would you just help us? As only you can. Would you just help us study your Word? Would you help us grasp it? Would you help us um, just understand it, memorize it, hide it in our hearts, meditate on it deeply? And then would you help us apply it to our lives? Help us become more of the followers of Christ you've called us to be, more of the family of God you've called us to be. Help us make Christ's name known. And let us start even tonight by studying your word. And it's only by your Holy Spirit to help us understand and apply it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.